Incoming transmission. Said the feet of non-oe. Life, uh, finds a way. Start the Stark Contrast. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Stark Contrast. I am your host, Rod Stark. Coming off a four-day weekend for me, I took a couple vacation days. Thought I'd uh, catch up on some stuff as well as have some events, but sadly, those four days flew by as vacation days all too often do, and I'm uh, staring down the barrel of another work week. Back to the rat race. But first, we've got a nice new episode for all your guys' listening pleasure. Uh, This weekend, I had my cousin's wedding, so I went to a wedding, enjoyed that. Nice outdoor wedding, turned out great, and congratulations to the new couple, I think. Hopefully, they they do better than most other weddings in my family and uh, have many years of wedded bliss. Uh, We also had the homecoming for Liam. He said he had a great time, spent way too much money. I informed him that he has many, many years of that to look forward to when it comes to uh, the old dating life, and good times were had by all. Then on Sunday, I actually went to a comedy competition. A girl I went to school with was taking part in a comedy competition down in Grand Rapids, Michigan for the Kingpin of Comedy. And sure enough, she won it all. Most successful comedian ever to come out of the thriving metropolis of Grant, Michigan. Megan Wirtz took the crown and uh, is now the queen pin of comedy for Grand Rapids, Michigan. Great night. I always enjoy stand-up comedy. I haven't really talked much on the show about my love of stand-up, but ever since I was a young boy, I've enjoyed stand-up comedy. Uh, I started off with a great love of Richard Pryor and George Carlin and Eddie Murphy, and I've always carried that on to today. I'll go watch anything from a first-time open-micer all the way up to a headline acts. Enjoy the old stand-up, especially live. But it was a great time, and the local girl was victorious. It took down, uh, I think they said there were 80 other competitors in the entire tournament over a 10-week span, and she made it through, won the whole kit and caboodle, and is now a champion. So congratulations to Megan. I did have some listener questions for you guys. Uh, I was asked when I lost my virginity. Uh, I'm sure all of you would have guessed it would have been as a young strapping lad as myself. Uh, it would have been pretty young, but I was not. I was a virgin until after I graduated high school. The summer after I graduated high school, I um, lost my virginity to Liam's mom. So I went all the way through high school without having sex. And then actually, the reason I finally had sex was she was too nervous to for oral. So she uh, elected to have intercourse instead of oral. And that was with the encouraging of a fellow friend. I don't know if I should share all this, but well, it's out there now. <laughs> Sorry if that wasn't supposed to be shared, but hey, it was a question asked. I was 18 when I lost my virginity. Fair enough. Answered the question. Another listener question, uh, Tinder related. I did talk about Tinder a few episodes ago and how I, I just couldn't really get into it. Somebody asked, what is the age range for a 34-year-old woman to swipe right on Tinder? What do you think is too young? 
or too old. I would say uh, once you're in your 30s, a 10-year either way span is a safe zone. More meaningful relationships are probably going to be within that five-year span, but 10 years either way, so 24 to 44 I'd say would would keep it from being taboo, but as long as they're overage and you're happy, hey, life is uh, life's too short to be worried about everybody else. But I'd say to, if you're trying to keep it within that non-taboo range, anything from 24 to 44, and you're safe on the old uh, Tinder. Beep 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 beep. We are robots. Hello. <laughs> Please join us at our live show. Live, live, live. Oh, that's what I was going to do. Do, do. <laughs> Mystery time. Adventure. Adventure October 19th. 6 p.m. Studio 37, Nuego. Live. 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 <laughs> Robot. Live. Another question I was asked was, what are my thoughts on streaming technology and how that's affected our television watching? I've spoke a little bit about this before, but I'm a huge fan of Netflix, Hulu, and etc., Amazon Prime video and stuff. I think we're getting a lot more entertainment bang for our buck, as well as a variety of shows. There's a lot more niche shows that would have not existed any other time in entertainment. But on the flip side, I do, there are some negatives to it. There's not the big buildup that we used to have waiting for a weekly show. Now it's on demand or you can wait and just binge watch everything and you don't get that buildup anticipation as well as the water cooler talk of everybody watching it the night before and then talking about it the next day at work. That's kind of gone from our culture. Now it's everything is quick hitting and then gone. There's no buildup, no lasting impression. I think that that goes across the board for society, but definitely in entertainment as well. So there's a lot of positive to it. Like I said, a lot of variety. The stand-up comedy, like I I spoke about before, we wouldn't have as many comedy specials and et cetera as we do now if it was still the same setup as we had before, even when it was just cable networks. You'd have some, but nowhere near what we have now. And definitely nowhere near that if we were still on the old system of you know the, the major three networks as the only way to be entertained. Obviously, there's never going to be those big millions and millions and millions of people watching at the same time that we used to have other than for things like the Super Bowl or whatever, but the uh, the sheer volume of entertainment that we have now more than makes up for that. So overall, I'd say we're, we're in the best time there's ever been when it comes to entertainment. I think uh, making sure that you do support any kind of different new art when it comes to the uh, visual mediums is going to ensure that we do have those types of things going into the future. You know, ex- those independent artists, the small productions, actually spending your money and making sure to, to support them is going to increase the, you know, the um, veracity of, uh, of the arts, and it's going to get you more entertaining stuff down the road. If you want something, if you see something that you like, pay for it, Therefore, they see there's a market and you can get more of that kind of stuff made. I know that uh, I read a study that they're losing billions of dollars in these streaming services just from people sharing passwords. And 
you know, it's part of life. I don't, I don't think there's necessarily anything terribly wrong with it. But on the flip side, the smaller artist, if you can, if there are forms of directly supporting them, use that money to support those artists and make sure that they know uh, that you enjoy their art. It's going to get more of that kind of stuff out there and hopefully, you know, expand what you love. I know to even think about the entertainment that we have nowadays when it comes to just the niche stuff like superhero movies, superhero TV shows, you know, some of these off-the-wall sci-fi stuff that uh, gets made now. There wouldn't have been a market for that 20 years ago. So the fact that we get to have these things in the real and that this is the real world, I mean, we we live in a pretty awesome time when it comes to entertainment. Hopefully uh, that doesn't get stifled by the PC culture. And uh, I know that's been a big thing, especially in the stand-up community, is worrying about how you can't tell jokes anymore without people taking offense. I think uh, I think any type of joke is all right if it's funny. If it's told right, you can you can tell a rape joke. You can tell a joke that's insensitive if it's done in the right way. I think Anthony Jeselnik is a uh, good example of a comedian that could do that. But all the big name comedians usually can hit the mark and still make a funny joke when it comes to those taboo subjects. The problem is when somebody thinks they're funny and they're not, and they use those taboo subjects as a crutch on uh, the fact that they don't really have a great sense of humor, that's when it really comes back to bite somebody. So, like I said, I, I don't think I don't think that uh, it necessarily will be the end of the medium, but I do understand where that concern comes from when you're a comedian. But as long as it's funny, it's funny. There's no genre that I feel can't be joked about if it's done in the right way. And I think part of that is a key part of that is not insulting the victims when you're making a joke. And all the the examples that I gave are people that have the ability to do those kind of jokes without insulting the victims and uh, still making it funny. So I think that answered the question. I kind of rambled on a little bit there, but hey, that's what I do. It's my podcast. I get to do it. So i uh, got a couple more quick hitters for you, and then I'll uh, send you on your merry way on your Monday. I saw that Bill Cosby's getting sentenced for his rape flat out. That's what it is. He, he drugged and raped women. He's been convicted of it. Now he's going to get sentenced for it. I know that somehow this is a polarizing issue. I don't see how it is. Just because somebody provided great entertainment and enriched our generation when it came to shows like The Cosby Show and cartoons like Fat Albert, doesn't mean that when you find out that they're a monster that you have to defend them or deny what they are. It turns out, you know, from multiple credible witnesses that he was a monster. He deserves to face justice. I don't think he's ever going to see a jail cell. He's old enough that... I think I think they'll they'll run it out in appeals and he'll end up being dead before he actually serves any jail time. But at least this is some form of justice for the victims that they're gonna see. You know that the court is at least sentencing him, even though I don't believe he'll actually serve the time for what he's done. But when it comes to this stuff, the the people that defend these monsters like this or the football programs that are that cover for these pedophiles and then it comes out or the Catholic church. And then people try to say, oh, well, you know, you don't know the whole story. 
If you defend a predator, you're in the wrong. Flat out, it doesn't matter. If somebody's coming forward with allegations, the first person that comes forward, you can maybe say, okay, we've got to figure this out first. But once you're getting to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 20th, chances are that much smoke, there's fire behind it. And if you're going to stifle investigations and block stuff like they did in Penn State, then fuck you. You're a piece of shit and you are part of the problem. If people that blocked those investigations weren't there when it came to this Cosby case, when it came to Joe Paterno blocking the stuff with uh, Jerry Sandusky at Penn State, you can say what you want about the other aspects of Paterno's legacy. He was brought multiple times the allegations that Sandusky was molesting children and he blocked it. He's a bad guy too. He's a piece of shit. And, you know, I don't believe in hell, but if there is a hell, he's going to be burning just as much as Jerry Sandusky. And, you know, that's that's the way I feel with with any of these these situations where there's multiple people that they abused and other people helped them cover their tracks. Those people that aided and abended are just as bad as these predators themselves. That leads me to my last subject. It's kind of related, but with the whole thing with Kavanaugh, the witness that has come forward saying that he sexually assaulted her as a teenager. Like I said before, I don't I don't think that it's going to end up stopping him from becoming our Supreme Court justice. But the new comments by President Trump where he's like, well, if it was credible, she would have came forward and all this. T- to say stuff like that just shows how, I don't even know the real word for it, just what a piece of shit he is. I try to min- remain as neutral as possible with stuff like that, but when he's, when it comes to a victim of a sexual assault, to say that they if they didn't come forward, that means they, were, they aren't credible is so not true. You, there's countless examples of people that just don't feel comfortable coming forward, especially at that age. There, there's a stigma of shame and guilt when it comes to being sexually assaulted at any level, whether it's molestation, rape, or as she claims that there was a that he tried to jump on her and fondle her and stuff. There's a fear that you're not going to be believed, that it's going to be worse to come out with it than it is to just sit on it. To So to say that it's an either-or thing, if they didn't come forward right away, that it's not true, is uh, it's such bullshit. Uh, you know, I personally am affected by stuff like that. And, you know, I, I had a situation in my childhood that I never talked about until today, you know, to today. Uh, a couple people know... A little bit about what happened. I still don't really clearly know everything that happened. And, you know, I just recently talked to my mom about it, trying to figure stuff out, but I still have guilt and shame with that. And I would have never came forward at the time. I blocked it out. I was a small kid. But to say that if you don't come forward right away, it must not be credible or true, it's just, it's really just a, a cruel and evil thing to do. I think that this whole situation has been very partisan. That even the way the Democrats have treated 
this wait until the last minute and using it as a bombshell to try to block it instead of addressing it right when they found out and uh, supporting the woman's wishes when she said she wanted to remain anonymous and instead leaking her name and stuff. You know, so the Democrats are just as bad when it comes to this stuff as the Republicans are. But since it's the opposite side, they're they're going for the throat where the Republicans are going to defend something that could be there just because of the fact that they want a conservative justice on the Supreme Court. And, you know, it, it it's just disgusting. You know, when it comes to the Me Too stuff, I, I don't agree with lumping it all together. I've said that before. I, I don't think inappropriate comments or, you know, getting smacked on the ass should be lumped in with rape and child molestation and all these things. I think it really muddies the water and uh, confuses the issues. Not that those things shouldn't be taken care of too, but the fact that we're going to claim that, you know, you shouldn't believe somebody because they waited so much time to come forward. Well, that's not your place to choose. And I there there's a reason for statutes of limitations, and it's mostly to do with evidence. You know, over time, it's harder to find evidence. I get that. But on the flip side, that doesn't mean that they're immediately false stories just because they didn't tell them at the time. And, uh, you know, it's just a sad state of affairs when it comes to that. And I don't think we should go the far opposite side that some on the left say where it's you should you have to believe every woman that comes forward or every person that comes forward with their allegations. No, but they do have a right to talk. They have a right to tell their story and it has they they deserve that to be followed up on. That doesn't mean you immediately believe everything that's said. But you don't stifle it either just because of the amount of time in between or because of who their allegations are against. I think that we've swept a lot of things under the rug in our country and our society. And, you know, it's going to be painful for everything to come out and for changes to be made. But hopefully they will start being made. Hopefully this will continue in a positive direction. But I'm just I'm disgusted by almost everybody that's in politics, especially around this situation, they have shown that they have no concern or compassion for the actual victims of these kind of events. And uh, they're more concerned with how they can use them to their political advantage. So to anybody that feels that way, anybody that has protected a predator, anybody that makes excuses for those that do, fuck you. Fuck you fuck you. That's how I feel. That's never going to change. I I don't hate anyone, but I hate the action of pretending that getting in the way of justice or getting in the way of stopping a predator from doing what they're doing is at all right or noble or that it's not your job to speak up. It is always your job to speak up. If you see something, when it comes to a child or somebody that's in a weaker position that's getting taken advantage of, it is your obligation to say something. And I'll leave it at that. Sorry it wasn't on a good note that we ended, but I think it was a powerful one. I hope you guys have a great week. That hotline number, if you want to call and leave a message, whether you want it played on the air or just read back as a message anonymously, either way can be done, is 920-395-8930.
And our email address is thestartcontrast at AOL.com. We've also added Google Play as an option for listening to the podcast. So if you have friends out there that weren't uh, on the iTunes, Apple podcast app, or didn't quite understand the Podbean and wanted an easier way to do it, Google Play now has the Start Contrast. We'll see you back on Friday. Thanks. And that's when to grow on.